This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Terbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current master of coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight, Fist of the Dragon, Maker of Gains, and Co-Lord of the White Claw. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful, Stealer of Hearts, Bandit of Time, Hero of Shreve, Picker of Bones, and Co-Lord of the White Claw. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Catelyn, Six of a Clash of Kings, and in our Maester's Study, we will be discussing Alicent Hightower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we're going to continue diving through and getting ready for House of the Dragon, right? We've been getting slow little bit of, bits of news here, and we're going to keep that kind of series going. Uh, and I think we're starting off with a raven today. We are starting off with a raven, and I also want to start off with a, with a disclaimer that Sunday is the day we will record, and it's also laundry day. So if you can hear my washer in the <laughs> background, <laughs> that goes... As is that, I said, I think the entire complex can hear it right now. It's in spin cycle. As literally, literally, your video is just... It's shaking, <laughs> is it not? It's shaking, I know. And it's like, I, I feel like it's it represents kind of the start to 2021 for us, okay? In spin cycle. We're all in spin mode right now, and it's just crazy, man. It is absolutely wild, so... Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, um, yeah, I do want to start off with the Raven, though, because I think this is kind of fun. Just really, uh, some of these are people who just who send us a raven, and it's it's less a theory. It's more just about the podcast, where they're at, finding the show, that kind of stuff. Um, as the new year comes in, we get new listeners, uh, we get old listeners coming back, and things like that. It's really it's really neat. So, um, greetings and happy new year, Sir Matt and Sir Ezra. I've been a Song of Ice and Fire fan since the beginning. And by the way, this is from Steph, the mostly silent sister. So thank you. Thank you, Steph. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been a Song of Ice and Fire fan since the beginning, reading the books as they came out in the 90s, rereading uh, -re -re them when the show started and Dance of Dragons came out. Last winter, I wanted to do another reread and was looking around for a read-along podcast and found yours. Then COVID hit, and after months of working from home and taking long walks, uh, I caught up on the latest chapter and podcast yesterday. Wow, so we got this just like a week or two ago, I think. Um, love all of your insights and rabbit holes. Clash is the book I've read the least, so really enjoying it this time. And also looking ahead to my favorite, Storm of Swords. Also really appreciate all of your discussion on Fire and Blood, uh, which I had a really hard time reading. 
Now I'm going to need something else to binge. Guessing I'm going to have to give Wheel of Time another try. Steph, the mostly silent sister. Uh, yeah, I, I think you should. Uh, I, I think you should. You get, Wheel of Time will occupy you for, for quite some time, my friends. Uh, so that's the other podcast that Matt and I are, uh, have been working on. That podcast is just over a year old. Uh, and it's called Heroes of the Horn, a Wheel of Time podcast. So yeah, that'd be great. And Steph, here's the thing. Um, Clash of Kings, not necessarily my favorite book. So it's been oh. this. Yeah, I know. Um, people might not like that. Storm of Swords is amazing. And then I love. It's the best. Um, yeah, it's, it is. It is probably the best. And um, Dance Dragons is great, too. Uh, really, 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 really enjoy that book. So. Yeah. Anyways, it is what it is. Um, so we're we're trudging through here, and we're do, we're making good progress, though. I think we're gonna be done with this book in a couple months or towards the summer. Mm-hmm. I think we said. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be getting there. We'll be getting there soon for sure. So, but yeah, uh, thank you again. Really appreciate that. And then let's jump into another one here. This is Sir Silas, um, sending us a raven as well. Good evening, my lords. Happy New Year. I have not written to you both since sending my origin story back in August of 2019. Uh, I can't begin to explain how much I've enjoyed and appreciated your podcast, although I do not write in. I have listened to all of your episodes, and I even listened to Hyperspace Hangout, uh, as Star Wars is my favorite series. There we go. Another uh, listener to another project, Hyperspace Hangout. Um, If interested, I could send a follow-up email with some of my Lego Star Wars collection, which absolutely, please, please, (laughs) you know, uh, I've had that since since I was eight. Gosh, I could go for a good Lego set, actually. You know, you know? why isn't there Lego Game of Thrones yet? Right. Yeah. I mean, what's you going know? on? Or is it just too? Is the source material just too dark? I would buy Lego. <laughs> I would buy Lego Game of Thrones. They'd be pretty uh, cool. Some dragons and castles. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there are people that have like made their own because there's tons of Lego castle, you know, medieval stuff you could do. Right, yeah, that's interesting. Is the source material too dark? <laughs> we need like Might an adu- we need like an adult Lego set well, for well, well, then you could you could you know I mean even you know you make it a little bit yeah a little more kid friendly by making right, it like right. there's Lego Lord of the Rings. I mean, not that there's you know yeah looking up in, in Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or I I'll, I'll have to look and see what all what all what all content has been given the Lego treatment to see what's like the darkest. You yeah, know, yeah. Sort of, How sort far of can we push it? <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, when I, when I first went looking for a podcast to scratch my Game of Thrones itch uh, until the 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 final season premiered, I did not expect to find something that became extremely important to me. Listening to your podcast, both the Bend the Knee and Hyperspace Hangout, has helped me go through um, a tough breakup with a long term girlfriend of four years, and it's helped me get through the stress of twenty twenty uh, that that many people have been have been facing. And yeah, no kidding. I mean. Um, yeah, I think I think even for for Matt and I, we we would say like having the podcast and having the podcasting projects has been fun for us, and it's kept us kind of going. I, I I and I hope it has given some people um, some joy and happiness and some fun escape, you know, from all the craziness that that has gone on in 2020, and that's kind of continuing here in 2021. So, um, although I think the 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 future is is bright, and uh, yeah. Uh, I even started a new book series, The Wheel of Time, mainly because I wanted to follow another one of your podcasts because I enjoy hanging out with you and listening to all of the Raven slash transmissions. Uh, love the books, by the way. Just wanted to say thank you. Looking back at this year, listening to the both of you has been one of my favorite things and, and something I look forward to each week. May the gods heal your wounds, Sir Silas. 
And I, I just want to say thank you to, uh, we've gotten a couple of those, and, and I really, uh, it always kind of blows me away, and, and I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to send that in and to, to write that and send that to us because, um, you know, we, I don't know, man, we, we sometimes, Matt and I, uh, we do run several, several projects. We have goals. We have ambitions. You know, this podcast is called Bend the Knee for a reason, okay? <laughs> like, we, we're just, we, we love hanging out, um, talking to each other, talking about these series, and making content. And so it's really nice that, that you guys are enjoying it. And we always try to make it better. We always try to reflect and, and um, you know, up our game. And it's, a, it's sort of a evolution, man. It just kind of keeps, I don't know, it keeps, we keep evolving and getting better and better. And it's just, it's so much fun. And I really appreciate folks sending that in. Okay, I will say um, I did, did did some searches here on Amazon. There are certainly 3D puzzles of like Winterfell and stuff like that. There are some things here. You know what is it? Mega constructs. I think you know. Remember Mega Blocks back yeah. in the day? They yeah. were like the opposite of Lego, but I think I don't know. If it looks like that. So I mean, it is kind of like Lego-y, but it's not Lego. So they went know. dark. Did Mega Blocks they go went, dark? They, and they 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 went dark. Okay, yeah, so... Christmas. So there wow. is there is some version of that that might uh, you know that that might, that might work. So uh, <laughs> that's that's definitely that's definitely pretty cool. And I think you can go on Etsy and find people who have like custom painted Legos and and and, and stuff like that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So do you I, have any news? Or... Yeah, well, one more thing because some news going on here in Ohio. Uh, I just want to say as this episode rolls out, we are recording this before. Uh, you know, Matt's got, he's wearing his shirt today. He's representing the, the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. over there. You know, I just, a lot of our listeners are, are into the old American sports. And I just want to say that I am rooting for the Browns. Uh, I know. Wow. Matt's, I know he's going to be upset about that, but it's simply because, uh, I have to, uh, I, I have, I just have to. Um, you do realize that Pittsburgh is closer to you than 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 Cleveland, right? Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I posted on my Instagram story the other day. By the way, at uh, Wampret underscore two M. You guys can follow me there. Uh, follow Matt at Super Gains Bros. Uh, we. So I was like, I posted this. Uh, Matt sent me this this graphic, and Sir Jimmy wrote back to me instantly when I posted that graphic he, that you he sent did me to me as well. <laughs> where I was like, it basically was like. Um, what was it? The, the champions, right? It was the, it was right. the, the, past, the past. It was, yeah. The, yeah. And, and whatever Instagram account that was has done it for all of the divisions in, in football. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, wow, you know, that's kind of interesting. Like a lot of these other divisions, it's like, you know, there's four teams and it's the past 15 years. And I'm like, you know, some of these other ones like, oh, okay, here's all these. There was a couple other ones that did not have all four teams represented. Most notably the NFC North. So sorry for you Detroit Lions fans out there. It oh wow! Look like you, but in this one, it's like, well, I see the Browns, I see the Ravens, or excuse me, right. I see the Bengals, I see the Steelers, right. I see the Ravens, but I don't, I don't see the Browns in there. Didn't see them in there, did you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, think I know. You have to go back to like, actually, they've technically, I don't think, ever even won the NFC or the AFC North because. It, the AFC North didn't exist back in like the <laughs> 80s and 90s. Was it the AFC Central, right? God. So you have to yeah. go back then to find. Yeah. So the true kings of the North are obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay. uh, have been, and I stand with the old gods. Uh, oh, uh, you know, not these new upcomers who think, you know, 
Trust yeah. me, the Steelers yeah. are definitely House Stark of the, uh, you know, of yeah. the, um, of, that's, of, that's probably of, true of the North. Is the, hey. the Raven, the Raven, or the uh, the Browns are trying to be, you know, maybe like the, uh, like like the, the Boltons here and try to try to cause an uprising. Well, yeah, and I just wanted to point out that, like, you know, I I I am a Bengals fan, and so my whole thing there um, was that, like, look, I I have more in common. You know, Bengals fans have more in common with Steelers fans than the Browns have right. with anybody in the in the league. So sorry, and it's also right. I live in Ohio. It's the big, right. you know, the Ohio State is playing the national championship on Monday. We Browns are. are playing Sunday night. So it's like if I were to root against, I I still live in Ohio. Okay, Matt does not, and so you know I I got to put up right. with all these people as I walk around with my Bengals hoodie, giving me a hard right. time. So I felt like I posted that, but then also okay, I'm going to support the Browns. For any Calm any down. Browns for any Browns fans that that uh, would like to give any sort of Bengals fan a hard time, just remind them as that the Bengals have been to two Super Bowls and the Browns have been to zero right yeah so. yeah oh yeah yeah that's true that is yes i will remember i will uh also also shout out to lady jade who said here in england we're supporting the ravens and i was like lady jade what is now that's ravens. something matt and i will what? will i don't know if that's just uh you know come on now pick it seriously uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding i want to get ravens her time. come on now Come on now. No, I'm kidding. But we, I, I think it's, you know, hey, we have Ravens in the show. So, you know what I mean? It's it's true. Yeah, it is. The Ravens yeah. might be the most the most Game of Thrones team. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. And they're good. I mean, they're 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 always hey. they're always contenders. Right. I mean, at least that's a team in our division. Their, I think they're winning their game right now. Probably are. Probably are. But so, yeah, so big day in Ohio for sports. So I wanted to mention that uh, just prior as we're recording this kind of getting ready for a big night here. Uh, a lot of fun. So feel free to send me whatever hate you want. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll take it. I'll take it when when the actually yeah, I know right now we have a lot of Ohio listeners and people from the Midwest it's who true. are probably raging at Sir Matt because he's a Steelers well, fan. Sometimes they, you hate they, the best. Sometimes you just hate the best. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you, you know, know, sorry. It's like, you know, Tom Brady's the goat, but a lot of people don't like him. That's so. true. So is yeah certain certain certainly certainly it is you know other than that as how I mean is twenty twenty one starting off okay I mean oh who dude jeez uh, no We're it's a couple of days in it I'm just I'm 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 still hoping you know we said is twenty twenty one is twenty twenty Joffrey and twenty twenty one Ramsey I don't know man I'm just I think you jinxed <laughs> I think you literally jinxed everything and we're gonna come back to that moment no I I. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I started off 2020 saying it's going to be this year of like, you know, uh, the year of travel, this year of giving, this year where I was going to like meet a lot of our listeners, go to conventions, all this stuff. That's how I started the year off. So I'm hoping if we started a different way here, it's going to, you know, maybe it'll end up a lot better off than where we started, which is great. That would be fantastic. Let's get through the hard stuff. And, and you know, I, and I, I will say I will say right here publicly on, on the podcast uh, this week, as I talked about it last week, I did go get my covid uh, vaccine. I have the That's first. Right. I, I, I was I'm in I guess I work in healthcare, So I did. I got the first the first round of it. It's the Moderna one, you know. Felt fine. Other, you know, you just yeah. People were I. Uh, a lot of people were talking about their arms being sore. Yeah. Like you know when you get like a flu shot, your arms sore for like a day or two. I do right. feel like it was, and I, maybe it's just because everybody was talking about it. I was like, maybe I don't know. I guess it feels. It didn't really feel any more sore or anything that or any, you know. So uh-huh. everybody uh-huh. took it. Nobody really had any sort of issues or anything. So I mean, yeah. Well, all I know um, is like ever ever they, since then I've been that's, asking that's, that's, to that's all I can say is my because. You know, the Wi-Fi is just through the roof over oh, there. Oh, seriously, so. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I, I feel hilarious. like my Wi-Fi has gone down since I got it. So oh, I, yeah, it. maybe it's in inter- Yeah, so. But yeah, well, so I, I will say, I will say that to anybody. So anybody, that's at least my experience with it. That's what I can. What I'll say about that. Feel fine. Yeah, and uh, I think, gosh, we got like a letter the other day um, about our vaccine for teachers in Ohio, and I'm sure other people are getting, you know, just depending on what what level where, mm-hmm. where they're given the vaccine. So ours is coming soon, and I'm looking forward to that. So you know, we'll see. Hopefully, make yeah. things better. So. All right. Well, there's there's the old update, and uh, that's how we're doing. Uh, thanks again for everybody for sending those Ravens in, and go Browns. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's head over to the Maesters study. Uh, we've been we've been keeping up on some of these characters from Fire and Blood, from the the, the Targaryen reign, and uh, last time we were talking about Alicent Hightower and her arrival to 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 the court there at King's Landing. And really, some of the, I mean, you know, some of the, I mean, some of the stuff, her being, she's she's put right in next to the old king, super close. I mean, there as he's dying. I mean, uh, interesting. She's um, in the she's in the room when he dies. She, yeah, right. I mean, is there? Wow, you know what? She was also in the room <laughs> when Viserys died. So I think, right? Or she she walks in right after. I mean, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on here? There's a correlation. What's going on? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Allison Hightower, the Hightower is always in and around something, always near power, always, uh, I think, maybe the masters of the Game of Thrones. If you look at the histories and just um, how much power, how they've, how they've been able to keep power, really, even though you've had houses rise and fall and stuff there. They're like, yeah, we're going to stay in that upper tier for a while. We're just going to stay right there uh, and, uh, you know. They're an interesting house. We'll have to do a whole kind of house study on them uh, at, at some point. But Alicent uh, is, you know, she eventually, she catches the eye of King Viserys uh, Targaryen, uh, who, you know, his, his first wife is is Emma Arryn, uh, who died, who died in childbirth. Um, the small council is then kind of urging him to wed again, um, you know, and he, he is ignoring that advice at first, that kind of keep pushing this, and he eventually chooses... Alicent Hightower as his wife, and they marry in 106 AC. Um, <laughs> some people really felt like maybe I, I kind of wonder if this is an element in the show where where Otto Hightower, you know, is is do, does he do something or does he put Viserys in a spot where he feels like he needs like he owes Otto something or he you know th- th- there's enough room that you could. Do something, have some conversation where, where maybe Viserys feels like he owes Otto Hightower and marries his daughter. You know what I mean? I I, I don't I don't know, but um, he definitely wanted that, and he wanted to have his grandsons or or his grandchildren to become, you know, kings. He wants to marry in. This is about as close as they get. Allison Hightower is right there uh, with with the Targaryen king now, and so there's that. Uh, let's see some. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, did we talk about this? I think we touched on this last time, but the the doubts and the whispers and the rumors kind of surrounding Allison's virtue and uh, rumors circulating that she had mm-hmm. maybe possibly given her maidenhead to Prince Damon, right? And and uh, huh, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, that's and, yeah, according to Mushroom, even, right? Right, and then even and possibly even um, having having slept with King Viserys while Queen Emma. 
Aaron, right, is still is still is still alive. So wow, um, it is. It, and that, and that's something that's going to be really interesting in this show. Is man, what route do you go down? Uh, do you leave things a lot of things open to interpretation? Do we just flat out show them? Because so much of this history is told through us through two totally different perspectives, right? In that you have. Right. Mushroom, who's saying one thing, and you have um, the author of this whole thing, um, which is uh, Maester Yandel, mm-hmm. right? Writing this, writing this history. What's gonna, you know, how 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 are, how are they gonna decide to make these decisions? Well, I think it's kind of a cool a cool idea to say let's just give some some outline and structure here from uh, our our author George R. R. Martin, and then from there the show does make these. Like that's where they're going to make some of these calls and these big reveals are going to happen. So that way, if you've read this, there's still stuff that you can. It's not like you know everything because it would be very interesting if Alicent, um, you know, like we said, she was in there with the old king when he died, and also uh, they're very close, catching the eye of Viserys. And it just so happens then that his first wife dies, but maybe he was, you know, I mean, how? I mean, she dies in childbirth, but was there more to it? I mean, is there, you know, was there something else going on? (laughs) Or <laughs> another mm-hmm. reason why why Emma Aaron died in childbirth is Allison just uh, I don't know I mean that's that's something to, to to look into or Otto Hightower involved I mean who knows they could do a lot of that kind of stuff and that is all straight speculation there's no uh, necessarily backing for that in in the books but we're just kind of touching on where they could expand in in the TV show so I think it, you know pretty pretty interesting but. Um, Another element here in this in this marriage early on, uh, you know, she is close with her stepdaughter, Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen, um, but it's after the birth of Alicent's first son, Prince Aemon, uh, that and then she goes on to have other 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 children as well. That this tension arises between her and Princess Rhaenyra, because Princess Rhaenyra is named the heir. Um, that is that she, she is like the realm's delight and Viserys does love his daughter very much, has kept her around. She's a cupbearer, all that good stuff. And now, you know, Alicent and Otto Hightower, they don't like that. They want to go back to this precedent that was set in 101 AC where it should be the male heir. Um, she may be the elder, uh, female, right? Uh, you, you know, offspring of Viserys Targaryen, but doesn't matter because now he has had a son with Allison Hightower, and that individual should be next in line. And so that's where this gets tricky, and we start to have issues because people have already pledged their allegiance uh, to Rhaenyra. So what do you do now, right? I mean, I think that's that's a problem. So Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be something, again, interesting to see in the show, right, is the is – the, I mean, I think, I think that's where – it's going to be really these two that are going to be like our maybe Catelyn and Cersei, right? You think early in in Game of Thrones, that's who they're, that's who they're ultimately. Going to, it's gonna it's gonna feel like is is those are going to be really I think the two kind of leads of of the show. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. Yeah, and so yeah, that that'll be that's what that's where they have to focus things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another let's see, let's let's move on here a little bit. Um. The this growing tension is this growing tension continues and it it grows to the point where I I kind of feel like we're going to get a lot of Otto Hightower maybe having conversations with Viserys talking about why his grandson should be named uh, the heir and sent maybe even to Dragonstone 
uh, you know, symbolically to represent that next stop in line. That's where Rhaenyra is, actually. She's away from King's Landing. And I think it's, uh, is, it, is it five years? Um, the kind of their, fi- their fifth anniversary of, of King Viserys marriage to Queen Alicent, you have this tourney. And uh, in 111 AC, you have a great tourney that was held in their honor. And you get sort of these factions, the Greens um, and the Blacks. Uh, the Greens represent the High Towers, um, who are kind of pushing for, you know, their their claim to the throne. And you have Rhaenyra and her supporters who are wearing black. Uh, and and so that's that's sort of the beginnings of of all of this. Uh, let's see. In the tourney itself, the Greens were defeated by the Blacks when Sir Kristen Cole, wearing Rhaenyra's favor unhorsed all of the queen's champions, including two of her cousins and her youngest brother, uh, Sir Gawain Hightower. So, uh, foreshadowing, Sir Matt? I mean, mm-hmm. is, there some, mm-hmm. is, there, is there some foreshadowing there? Uh, but then you've got Sir Kristen Cole, who's, who's such an interesting character, who is, again, you know, wearing the queen's favor. Why is he wearing, or I'm sorry, he's wearing Rhaenyra's favor, defeats Queen Alicent's people, and we know that Sir Kristen Cole will later on take the side of Alicent Hightower. And you're like, so, because he and Rhaenyra had a falling out. We're going to do, an, we're gonna do a whole, whole episode on Sir Kristen Cole because he's, he's fascinating. Um, all right, and so and, uh, Prince Daemon, we haven't brought him up yet. So Prince Daemon Targaryen, so Viserys' brother, he is also opposed to uh, Alicent and her sons. After his return to King's Landing, he made fun of Alicent, Aegon, and Aemon, and the other Greens, uh, to entertain Princess Rhaenyra. It is said he acted cool towards the princes uh, Aegon and Aemon because they had pushed him even lower, or cruel, I'm sorry. Uh, he had acted cruel towards them because they pushed him even lower in the line of succession. And so that is the interesting piece. At first, he's, and this is where I think he's going to be an interesting uh, you know, character. He is calling out, or he's he's mocking Viserys' unborn, or the the heir for a day, right? Uh, Emma mm-hmm. Aaron's uh, children, and he is. I mean, he's been do- he's always doted on Rhaenyra, but I think it's because, you know, she is again. He he thinks he could possibly marry her. There's that whole situation too, which eventually he will. Um, and he comes back, and it, once he's in kind of good graces with Viserys, he is now mocking. The Greens really showing his where his allegiance is, and that's a big deal. I mean, had he have sided with the, with the Greens, it's I mean it's over. Rhaenyra is sorry, uh, but it's a big deal that the that the king's brother is is siding, you know, with uh, his his daughter. So, uh, all right, let's see. Uh, when Rhaenyra turned sixteen, the small council started looking for a suitable husband. Alicent had her own choice: her eldest son, Prince. Aegon. Now think about that. Um, who, while while the princess was still sixteen years old, um, he was only six years old himself. Viserys argued that the siblings had never gotten along, but Alicent urged her husband, uh, and, and said that um, that was all the more reason to wed the two. Viserys refused, believing that Alicent only made the suggestion to get her own blood on the throne. No kidding. War could have been. Averted yeah. <laughs> here. That's the big deal, right? Is that it's actually probably a good idea. Um, they both then, I mean, this this happens with Targaryens, brother and sister, uh, marry, right? And and they continue that bloodline and they're, you know, carry on that Targaryen uh lineage. And now House Hightower will be closely, 
you know, married, uh, grafted in there. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because of how bold house Hightower was in trying to make this move. You don't really hear like house Aaron, right? Um, because we know Emma Aaron's daughter is Rhaenyra. So house Aaron, my friend, right? Like, like from the veil, they're very closely married in with the Targaryens and, and this is a chance for them to be close to power. And we don't really hear a whole lot about them. We really hear more. We will later. We will once we get into the dance. But we hear a lot about the High Towers making this bold push. And I think had there not have been a lot of drama beforehand, and and if there hadn't been, if he hadn't had to send Sir Otto High Tower away, maybe Viserys would have uh, agreed to this and had married his son and his daughter together. That might have happened. But since since there was a lot of um, bad blood between him and Otto, Otto Hightower. It just doesn't, it just doesn't go that way. So yeah. Uh, let's see a couple more things here. So, uh, we, we attempted that, uh, by the time princess Rhaenyra got married in, in 114 AC, Queen, Queen Alicent had found uh, a new member for her greens, Sir Kristen Cole, as we talked about former companion to princess Rhaenyra. Kristen fought in the tourney for Rhaenyra's wedding with Alicent's favor and was named Alicent's personal sworn shield soon after so how does this guy go from serving Rhaenyra to then shifting over to serve Queen Alicent and there's again Mushroom uh the Septon the Maester the all kind of yeah they got some ideas on <laughs> on how maybe that went down right uh then by 115 AC uh th there's uh there's so much just animosity between the greens and the blacks that's growing deeper and deeper uh, whilst Alicent had given birth to Prince Darren, who just like his brothers and sisters looked unmistakably like a Targaryen, Princess Rhaenyra had given birth to Prince Jaceres and Lucerys, uh, who both looked nothing like either Rhaenyra or her husband, Sir Laenor Valerion. That is a problem, my friend. Why yes, is that a problem? There's tons of rumors that Sir, Sir Laenor Valerion... Um, doesn't share her bed and perhaps uh, shares a bed with someone else, a close companion of his, and that Rhaenyra may even be sharing the bed of Sir Harwin Strong, um, <laughs> who, yeah. And, and again, Otto Hightower was replaced by a Strong for hand. Just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. But in 120 AC, Allison's second son became involved in an incident where Rhaenyra's son, Lucerys, took out Aemon's right eye Allison anger demanded that Lucerys, um, th that the same be done to him. After this incident, King Viserys declared that Allison and her children would remain at court in King's Landing, whilst Rhaenyra and her family remained at Dragonstone. So he separates the two, keeps the grandkids away from each other. Um, or I'm sorry, his children. Uh, you, you know, well, he's got grandkids intermixing with his kids. Yeah, so so there's that. You know, Rhaenyra's kids are his, his grandchildren. Uh, later that year, Rhaenyra gave birth to her first son by Prince Daemon. Alicent grew wroth, learning the child had been named Aegon, believing it to be a slight against her own firstborn, who also had the name Aegon. And so that's where we'll get this Aegon the Elder, Aegon the Younger uh, situation, mm -hmm. the young dragon. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then he will end up becoming Aegon the Third. Right, and so it's yep. it, it's it's kind of weird ultimately that this this big huge power struggle that goes back and forth and back and forth, and then where does it ultimately end up? 
well, Rhaenyra ends up winning, you know, kind of, you know, it's like she doesn't, but her son. So it's, it, it's, 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 it's really, it's really, um, great. And I, I, the dance of dragons, I think, um, I, I think on television, I feel like the Blackfire rebellions would be cooler. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it feels like a totally outside faction, whereas this is more like civil war. Um, even though it is, it's just because they like move over to Essos, right? Um, and but it's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot of backstabbing. It's gonna be a lot of political intrigue. And for people who have no idea what happens, I still think it could be more intriguing than than Game of Thrones for for Absolutely. viewers of the show. Well, I think you and I would be blown away if all of a sudden we found out that Allison Hightower killed. Emma Aaron, if they did that, not that they're, and again, you're like, well, where is that coming from? And that's just total, there's room for it. What I'm saying is there's a void where in which you could do something like that if you wanted to. So if they do that, would we all not be like, wait, what? Well, and then we go back to the pages and we look and we say, well, they just said she died in childbirth. And then we find out that, you know what I mean? Uh, she murdered Al- in childbirth or something. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's more than that, that like that. And you know, and I'm not I'm I'm not at all saying this is going to happen. No, 100 percent not saying this is going to happen. But keep in mind, really, if this because they haven't even necessarily said if this is going to be we don't know yet if it's 100 percent in line canon with the show. Like, are they just creating a show canon? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, They could change the ending of this. Because I don't know in Game of Thrones that they ever specifically say, maybe in some of the, the special features, but I don't think there's ever, you know, because they, they, they'll they briefly bring, they in the show, they briefly bring up the way some of this stuff goes down. Um, yeah. But I mean, because it happened so long ago, there's nothing to say that they, that Rhaenyra might lose, right? And they, yeah, I, I, I see know. what you're saying. I'm not, is, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying that they're going to do that at all, but I'm saying it, they could I mean, heck, look what they decided to do with season eight, right? I mean, they could they could just be like, no, we think this is going to make better television. This is the way we're going to go. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's where I'm saying, uh, you know, kind of brace yourself for what might be them deviating from what we think. I mean, I guess when you look at the time jumps and the gaps, you know, in this five years of their marriage, you know, like what? how are we going to show what happened between Alicent and series what happens when Alicent first shows up I mean we're gonna are we gonna explore that is this someone who was sharing as you said actually sharing Viserys bed and Damon's you know bed was there some plot to maybe take out Viserys and have Alicent uh be with with Damon you know like like all of that I mean Otto Hightower what is he doing is he scheming uh to that level are we actually gonna you know see what that looks like and there is nothing in the text that says that that's happening um but there's enough room for it to happen is the way I look at it. Uh, and if people want to argue that, I f- send a freaking raven, okay? I'm all for it. I just uh, I, I want to speculate about the show, and I, I like to think of ways in which they could take even people who have read Fire and Blood and say, guess what? We're going to turn that on its head or show you something that wasn't in the books and kind of, you know, go from there. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ez. Uh, let's move on over to the reread. Um, today we are into Catelyn six. Let me make sure I'm getting my Roman numerals correct there. Uh, yes, Cat Catelyn six of a Clash of Kings. So um, today, uh, Catelyn reflects on how she has always done her duty, remembering that she never comforted Littlefinger after Brandon had injured him, nor did she bid him farewell when her father sent him off. 
Later, uh, Maester Vyman shows her a letter from Elwood Meadows, the new Castilian at Storm's End. The man does not make note of Edric Storm, and she wonders again why Stannis is so interested in the boy, thinking he might not he might mean to use the boy's appearance as proof of Joffrey's ill heritage. Catelyn is considering the nature of bastards and their fathers and recalls Roose Bolton's recent um, you know, missive where he calls his bastard Ramsay Snow a boy of tainted blood and that he counts himself uh, well rid of him. Bolton states that he hopes Robs will weigh his capture of Harrenhal against the crimes of his bastard son. Catelyn is drawn away as fighting begins across the Red Fork, yet each time Lord Tywin's troops attempt to cross, Edmure's men repel them, raining arrows down upon them as they attempt to ford the river. Catelyn is unimpressed despite the victory her brother has won against one of the most famous battlefield commanders alive. She sends wine to Cleos Frey and then attempts to gain information from him, but knows the man is little of use. As she learns that it is Sir Cleos, uh, saw only Sansa at course... Uh, she, you know, thinks of Arya. Uh, Catelyn muses that either Cersei is keeping Arya hidden for fear of what she might say or do, right? She is, you know, certainly aggressive and hard to tame, um, or that she might be dead. Catelyn does consider Tyrion a man who might be trusted at his word, despite what he transpired, what transpired between the two. Uh, she then learns the results of a great victory that Leo Lefford has, um, has drowned, uh, has drowned and that Gregor Clegane was badly wounded and that the great knight Strongbore has been taken captive. Yet despite the fact that they are winning, she is still afraid. As she should be. Right? Yeah, things, mean, seem, things seem grim. There's a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of things going on at, 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 at once here. Um, so, uh, you, you know, the way, the way it kind of starts here, I mean, um, you know, Tell father I've gone to make him proud. Her brother swung up into his saddle. Every inch of the, the Lord in his bright mail and flowing mud and water cloak. A silver trout ornament of the crest of his great helm. Um, he's always proud of you, Edmure, and he loves you fiercely for that. Um, I will say, book Edmure is a little bit more. <laughs> he's he's a little he's he's definitely. He, like the show just makes him out to seem like he's an imbecile, like he's an absolute. I know, idiot. I know, I know they do, and and uh, okay, I, I actually am really glad you brought that up because I was going to start this whole conversation off with, uh, God, you, you really have to. You say you said this all through Game of Thrones, which is you have to look at the point of view from which the story is being told, and um, gosh, man, this is going to hurt for some people. All right, so brace yourself. But the young wolf, I think, makes a mistake, a big mistake in not telling uh, Edmure Tully what he's doing, what his what his plans are necessarily. And like and like, I mean, he just gives him strict instructions to stay at River Run and you're supposed to obey your king and all this kind of stuff. But like had he have said, there may come a time when it seems that Tywin is going to approach and he's going to try to you know, uh, uh, come take River Run or whatever. Like, he, he eventually, like, later on, this all kind of comes from he will chastise Edmure for what he does here. And Edmure thinks he does a good thing, and he's kind of uh, keeping Tywin, you know, back and keeping him away from River Run. And he's going out there using the river and, and that uh, bank, that high ground to push them back or keep, the, keep them away. 
and even 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 Brianne says like he's just probing, 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 probing. Then he's gonna bring like one finger here, one finger here, one finger there. Those fingers will turn into a fist, and then Tywin's gonna punch through across the river. And it just doesn't happen uh, that way. I mean, really, what Edmure doesn't know is that Tywin is is gotten calls that the young wolf has uh, made his strike. This this big has won a victory. Catelyn keeps asking where he's at. Now, I don't know if if there was, uh, and I'm trying to think again, whether there was more said, but to me, it's like your battle commanders and like if that, if it's really important that, that he's lulling Tywin further and further and further in so that way he can make his, his, his great escape back north and across the twins later on. Okay. Then, then that would be nice for, I guess, Edmure to know. And I can't really think if there's a reason, and if someone knows the reason and I'm missing it uh, as to why he doesn't tell Edmure that, like, I'm um, just kind of think it's coming up here in a few chapters, but to me, like I, you just brought up the fact that they would, they make him out in the show to be this uh, idiot. I mean, as if he just makes mm. so many mistakes and, and whatever, but like people of, of, of river run get behind him. Like he, they feel like he's doing a, a good thing and a good job. And I kind of feel like the young wolf didn't really, maybe he should have told him what he was, what he was all. I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. couldn't risk a Raven is, is part of it. I mean, there's, it's risky in sending your plans via, you know, Raven uh, when, when you're in battle like that. Riders are, you know, can they get through? Um, yeah. So that's that's. I just want to in defense, if I can. It's it's no, hard to it, it's hard to defend him, but I try because I like him. I like River Run, and I like the Blackfish a lot too. Right, uh, he, and you know. I mean, you know, Edmure, uh, you know, show show Edmure, or I should say, you know, like you need somebody to be comic relief because the show is so thick and so heavy. Um, I mean, really, when I think about Game of Thrones, I can really only think about like four or five moments that are actually what you would consider funny, right? You know, and most of that is the hound. Uh, just, you know, like the hound chicken scene is like hilarious, oh, yeah. but at the same time, you're like, oh my God, like what's about to happen? So, you know, like the first thing I like when I think of comedy in the show, like two of the first things I think of are when Edmure is trying to shoot. Uh, you know the the bow, right? When he's when he's trying to when he's trying to shoot Hoster Tully, you know, as he's sailing off, and the Blackfish is like, here, give you know, give me that, and then and then does it, um, and then at the very end of the show, where Edmure Tully stands up to be like, I'll be king, you know, and then oh yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, sit down, yeah, sit yeah, down, right, 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 right. So you definitely need somebody to be some sort of comic relief in, in a show which is so so thick, um, and. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's he's holding Tywin at bay here. Well, I mean, yeah. not, not that it, not that it's hard, not that it's hard because you're just keeping him from crossing a river. But I mean, I mean, he he's he's do he's doing what he's supposed to do, and then and then when you when you when you look at it, I mean, Ed Mir kind of up, upholds his 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 agreement of the of the bargain, right? Where mm-hmm. where he's gonna he sure I'll marry I'll marry some absolutely uh, does. yeah. Uh, some fray, fray. Yep. you know, a fray, a, a fray, and it's up. Rob, and it's Rob who does it. And actually, um, you know, it's like, hold on a, really... a second, King Rob, did you not make the ultimate right. like mess up here? I, and then yeah, Catelyn, so there's, again, that's where I think about point of view. I mean, yeah, and there's there's two, there's two things I, I kind of want to pull out pull out of out, out of here today. These are these are kind of my my big takeaways. One, um, you know, Catelyn talks about how. With the exception of Arya, she feels like most of her children are more Tully than Stark. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would actually, I think I'd actually almost disagree. I think it's actually with the except. I think Rob is more Tully than Stark, and even that includes Sansa. Even though Sansa's hair is different, just in their personalities and how they ultimately end up. Um, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of growing up because you know the Tully words are family, duty, honor, um, and Cat. There's a great line in here where Catelyn says, "You know, how can I do my duty where I do not know where it lies?" Right? You know, Cat's all for duty except when it's doing stuff for her family. So it's that balance of the three, and oftentimes it is actually honor that gets her in trouble or kind of screws screws that screws them up. Right? You know, like. Um, you know, she releases Jamie, which is for her family, but it's kind of against her duty as Lady for River Run, right? I mean, that's kind of that. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you know, you, you, you're. It's maybe sometimes maybe it's it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to go up those. So I think often she ends up going family first out of the three. It's not necessarily a balance of. Um, you know, of the three, she marries Ned, which she talks about in here. But again, that's that's out of it's more that's, duty that's, to family. That's it's kind duty, of, you know. Yeah, ex- duty to exactly. Her yeah. yeah, yeah. She isn't. She's not really interested in marrying Ned for his honor, right? You know, for like, oh, I can be, I can be Lady Stark. That's like, you know, I mean, and and honor and duty kind of go hand in hand a little bit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like they do. There's really not a lot of moments where I feel like she she does things because it's the it's the right thing to do, um, right? Uh, uh, and and so and then just it just in 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 thinking of her with with kind of um you know with with kind of with kind of those those things and so maybe that's ultimately because they're trouble that's definitely what gets uh rob in trouble is rob uh i mean his ultimate downfall is that he disregards his honor because he said oh i'm i'm going to do this Right. And I mean, that's definitely I think that's definitely uh, duty is like something that like, well, I was born into this family. This is the thing I have to do honor. When you say I'm going to do something and you don't, that's disregarding your honor. Well, Um, yeah. And and that's and that's what that's what ultimately gets. That's what ultimately gets him in trouble. I mean, Rob marches south because of family. Uh, I mean, yeah. Boom. We're going to do we're going to do this whole thing. Well, and also then like when he when he when he does make a mistake um and he he's with jane he then says well like since i've i've probably gotten her with child like i'm going to honor compels him to then stay with her you know what i mean like he's trying to make that right uh trying to and it's just it's tough because he's already pledged himself to someone else and he has phrase all around him who are super super ticked and again, we're kind of speculating across this chapter and into what will be the next Catlin chapter. But um, I just went back and looked, and, and really, Rob, I just don't think he anticipated, you know, I don't know that he shared his, his battle plans with, with Edmure, and that's just where I get a little bit um, kind of frustrated, because if a host is coming near you and you can use that, and, and he wanted to really pull him in, to a trap. I mean, Rob was really trying to pull him in there and was going to use the Frey Calvary and was, was had this big plan. How does Edmure not know about that? Um, why is he not? I mean, he's just, he's given strict and specific instructions as to what to do. I get that. He does publicly praise him because that seems like a good thing, but privately, you know, he and the Blackfish will, will definitely get on him for it. But anyways, I just saw that because this whole, what we're seeing right now is basically him doing this like, 
Catelyn says, you know, yes, we can have some wine. The singers can sing. We can make some songs. But then also the songs are going to have to wait. They're still fighting to do at the end of this chapter um, because Edmure is supposedly, seemingly doing a good thing. Um, he doesn't realize that it's just Tywin probing to see where he's at. And, and, and also, no one knows here that, like, had he had just let him rush headlong into... Um, into Rob and his host and right where Rob wanted him, then the battle down at King's Landing would have been, there could have been a different outcome there with Stannis because Tywin's able to rally. He gets word from Bitterbridge and from Littlefinger and the Tyrells in time to, you know, change course. So it's just, there's too many different, you know, variables there. And it's just, it's wartime. Communication is tough among all these different parties. And I just think it's, I wanted a short little defense of Edmure. Okay. So I know it's going to tick some people off, but you know, it is what it is. And just my thoughts on it. So no, I, and I, I, I think you're right in, in defending. And again, there's a difference. The the show, the show causes us to, when you first think of him, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, he's kind of an idiot, but he's not necessarily in, 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 in the books. And that's, that's, those are some small differences that kind of skew our perspective. And as you said, point of view, right? I mean, that's something else to keep in mind is that this is from Catelyn's point of view. So Catelyn probably does have a better opinion of her brother than other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, point of view. Pay attention to that as we as we go along here. Um, I'm trying to think of other big takeaways from this. Well, why don't you talk about you know your whole? I mean, just lie after lie after lie. I mean, did you kind of already? Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's it's definitely kind of interesting in that a lot of the stuff in this in this chapter is there's a lot of foreshadowing. There's a lot of. Um, uh, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't highlight the, highlight them. But I'll, I'll I'll see if I can That's find right. them here. There's Somebody there's a moment. Them. There's a moment. There's right. There's a moment with Roos Bolton where he's talking about how he need how it's best to get rid of Ramsey. Right, like good riddance to him. Okay, that's obviously mm-hmm. a lie. You know, we we mm-hmm. all know he's 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 plotting plotting behind him and all this stuff. There's a moment where she's talking about the Freys, and she says, you know, a Frey would never betray, um, you know, betray their word. And and then and then she kind of says, unless it benefits Walder. Um, but I, I, Walter Frey probably would have kept his oath had Rod not broken his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He stood, he, he stood way more to gain. Walter Frey actually stood way more to gain from Rob marrying his, his daughter than to try and side with Cersei. Well, and at this point, everyone, I mean, yeah, it's, oh, geez, it's crazy because, they're winning. Heron Hall is taken. There is some stuff going on early on with with Roose Bolton, maybe, you know. But but still, Walter Frey, I think, yeah, instantly word gets back to him about Jane Westerling, and it's done mm-hmm. at that point. At that, as soon as the word gets back there and the Freys leave, he's making plans with Roose and 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 Tywin, and I mean, it's it's over. It's done. All right, it's all over. Uh. Yeah, really, really, really quick, really quick. What if here? Just, mm-hmm. just because I, I would, I would, I just because I want, I want to think it out here, really quick. We don't have to dive into a huge major discussion. Let's say, let's say that Rob did not betray Walter Frey, and we know Stannis is going to the Battle of Blackwater. If Stannis wins there, because Tywin doesn't get to come down, and then a fight turns into. Because I think Stannis would say, "Oh, I, you're part of the Seven Kingdoms. You're gonna, you're gonna bend the knee." 
like it or not. Because I, I think Stannis would then be like, you're either bending the knee or I'm attacking the North. Do you think Rob at that point would be able to win to beat Stannis? You'd have pretty much a, probably a united... Yes. You'd have a united North and and, and, and River Run and all that lined up. And then, and then Dorne would be maybe doing whatever they want. You well, think- because... Yeah, and here's why. So... First of all, the way I kind of was thinking it would it would go is that if um, if if Rob gets back and the phrase stay with him, kind of what happens at that point if he doesn't marry uh, Jane Westerling, and right. but and so he keeps the phrase with him, he has a decision right then and there to make. You know, do you push on down further further? Uh, I think it would be southwest. Um, to try to get into West because Tywin's gone back to King's Landing. Does he take advantage of that? Does he keep pressing forward? But he really couldn't because he lost the phrase. And so he has to retreat back to River Run. If he doesn't lose the phrase, he has a decision to make to press on with the phrase or to go back to River Run and kind of solidify uh, the North up to the point of Hall. Now, then if what you're saying is if, if Tywin does get back there and because it seems like, really, if Stannis does win, and in your scenario, if Stannis wins, I think if, if he wins, then the Lannisters aren't much. There's not much going for, 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 the, for the Lannisters. The Tyrells would be... like If, if Stannis wins, that means he beat the Tyrells and the Lannisters. Right? Yes. So, unless you're saying, too, that like Tywin didn't you know, make it back in time... But that that would be because Rob pushed on west because then Tywin would keep right. following him west. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where it gets kind of kind of tricky. But if Stannis wins and ultimately defeats the Tyrells and ultimately defeats the Lannisters, uh, then Dorne is hanging out just waiting to see what's happening. And it's really then just Storm's End. And then it's like, what do the remainder of the of the Tyrells and Lannisters do? Do they submit to Stannis? Mm. Because then we have a, a freaking war. You know? Right. If, and yeah, Balon. They, but but at this point, you still have Balon Greyjoy, who and Theon's about to take Winterfell. Right. right. So it's yeah, it's, it's well, all. and that's where Bolton would have stayed if Bolton stays lo- loyal to King Rob, and all that stuff happens, and we don't have a bunch of plotting going down Tywin. Then you do have a kind of right there in the middle, right south of the neck, mm-hmm. and through the Riverlands, and over the Vale's not even a player right now. But they would ultimately, you've got River Run, Stark connections, Stark loyalty. Uh, set up there and established. I think if they they're waiting to see this as well. They're kind of like Dorn, waiting to see what's going to happen here. Yeah. They would have. You know, I don't. I don't know that it's up. ever. Speci- I don't know that it's ever specifically said. But do you? Th- um, this is actually a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna Reddit search this. Does Tywin know uh, that Greyjoy is that uh, Balon Greyjoy is starting to like siege the the land, like the the coast, that western coast. Uh, I, I feel like there is some reports that he, that he does know or that I, I can't remember if it's ever said in a chapter cause we don't get like title yeah. chapters. No, I'm trying to, I think I definitely know later on, but I mean, at what point is it what you're asking? Cause like, if you're asking like right now where we're at in the book series, I would say, I would say probably not yet because John or I'm sorry, um, uh, Rob, was headed to to attack the West, suspecting, thinking that he, his initial objective is that Theon is going to bring the Greyjoy's fleet 
down and you know on on the west as well and be sort of that um attack from the sea which would keep them close to the coast and he could come in you know on land behind them so uh you know i I don't know that words got because what they're doing up there on the iron islands was super secret i I know later on it it, like they definitely know but at right now at this time i don't know it's a good question yeah I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. There. It does look like there's a, a quote here, but I don't. Know, I don't know exactly where it's from. Basically, just talking. It's afterwards, and just talking about Balon. Like basically, um, let's see if I can do a search for this. Uh, basically, Balon Greyjoy thinks in terms of plunder, like he's an idiot. Let him enjoy an autumn crown and suffer suffer a northern winter. Um, like there'll be no way he. There's there's no way he'd be. It's from a storm of swords. Uh, like basically no way that he'd be able to hold that land. So it's nothing he has to really worry about. Yeah. I think the, I think the people who first get word of it are the star or, you know, the Starks and Rob's host. Um, but I'm sure it's shortly after that Tywin would, would hear about it too. So I'm, I honestly can't remember. And if that's somewhere, then yeah. Um, let us know, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to, to think about. I know Rob fully believed in Theon and he believed cause he that was a, that was a part of his attack on the West as he believed he was coming with him. So if he believed that to the point where he commits his forces there, well, then it makes me think, you know, I mean, Theon goes there with the full intent to, to, you know, join up with King Rob, let's do this. And it's his father who says, no, I don't think so. You've lost your, you've lost the way here. You don't understand. Uh, the ironborn way is different. We're going to be raiding and taking advantage and plundering and doing, um, what we can. So, yeah, it looks yeah. like maybe that's a Tyrion chapter where that's ultimately from in a storm of swords. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so, so, so just something interesting. Thing um, we talk a little bit about uh, Edric Storm here, and then it causes Catelyn to think a little bit about Jon Snow, and this is where Ashara Dane gets brought up. Um, you know, he is he is seven or eight, comely with black hair and bright blue eyes. Visitors oft thought him Lord Renly's own son. And Renly favored Robert. Catelyn had a glimmer of understanding. Stannis means to parade his brother's bastard before the realm, so they might see Robert in his face and wonder why there is no such likeness in Joffrey. It's a good idea by uh, Stannis, but we know Stannis might have other uh, ideas for him as well. Um, Those who favor Stannis will call it proof. Those who support Joffrey will say it means nothing. Her own children had uh, more Tully about them than Stark. Arya was the only one to show much of Ned in her features. And Jon Snow, but he was never mine. She found herself thinking of Jon's mother, the shadowy secret love her husband would never speak of. Does she grieve for Ned as I do, or did she hate him for leaving her bed for mine? Does she pray for her own son as I have prayed for mine? Those were uncomfortable thoughts and futile. If John had been born of Ashara, Dane, and Starfall, as some whispered, the lady is long dead. If not, Catelyn had no clue who or where his mother might be, and it made no matter. Ned was gone now, and his loves and secrets had all died with him. Um, but then uh, she was struck again by how strangely men behaved when it came to their bastards. Ned had also been fiercely protective of John, and Sir Courtly Penrose had given up his life for this Edric Storm. Yet Roose Bolton's bastard had meant less to him than one of his dogs, to judge from the tone of queer, cold letter uh, Edmure had gotten in the three days past. So, um, and that's where she, she talks a little bit about, you know, for whatever. Um, and then uh, we all know it's actually a lie in that, Bruce has big plans for 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 Ramsey. 
Yeah, you know, one thing that's interesting, and I, I was, it's funny, when you re-listen to the chapter, you catch these little lines, and you think maybe one line means, you know, who knows what, Something. but um, there's a line where Catelyn says, you know nothing. And I was like, I swear to God. But it's, it's right after she reflects on Jon Snow. So I kind of thought, he's creating the idea, when it comes to Jon Snow, that we, the reader, know nothing. We know nothing about him. And everything we think we know is not true. You know, it's one of those things that he's lacing in mm-hmm. there. And she says it in like right after she reflects on bastards and Jon Snow. And I thought, wow, there we go, George. There it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so basically, uh, yeah, th- th- that's a good thought. I just that things, um, everything that we kind of th- that she says or thinks about is is a little misleading. Um, and it's just her thoughts. Right. And if we're buying into those. If we buy into to her thoughts and we we believe it, um, well, that leads to a great surprise later on when everything that Catelyn was thinking about becomes untrue and it's not even it's it was leading us down a path of of uh, not falsehood, but I mean it was just it's literally just her thoughts as a character in in the story, and we have to kind of remember that. Right. So yeah, yeah, okay, right, right here, right. Um, I, uh, arise, sir. Catelyn seated herself. I know no grandson of Walter Frey would be an oath breaker. And then in her and then she thinks uh, unless it serves his purpose. So there's just a, there's there's a lot of foreshadowing in here. There's a lot of um, stuff. But again, Walter Frey isn't isn't only an oathbreaker because Rob is an oathbreaker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is worse? Which right. is worse? Are you a House Frey supporter right now? What is going on with you? No, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I just no. think. I, I mean, it's just it's. Fair is fair. Call it out. It's a, it's un, it's just it's 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 so heartbreaking that Rob, to me, it might be the it might be, the dumbest decision in all of you know and in the whole series. He was in love, man. He was in love. Oh, I know. And I and and Jamie tells us the things the things I do. And for I love. get it. And I get it. You know, because even and I know I'm highly critical of him, but even Renly at least has some claim to say, well, Robert took the throne. I can take the throne. Right. Because mm-hmm. technically he's 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 initially not saying I'm taking it from Stannis. He's saying I'm taking it from Joffrey. Yeah. Right. And that, yeah. that jo- yeah. Joffrey Joffrey is wrong, even though. Right. Even, but then once Stannis steps and says, once I think once Stannis says I'm in, I have I have an I have an actual claim. Okay, then I then that's that's where I have issue with Renly um, saying that. But he's he is still technically right. I mean, you can usurp whoever you want, um, right? In in that, but this specific decision, you know, like like uh, Catelyn letting Jamie go, she does because she believes it's going to get get her 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 family back, and. Rob at that point, I mean, Rob could still win the war, right? I mean, Rob is like, I mean, he's he's sound he's sound he's soundly beating he's soundly beating Tywin, and then once you know if if Jamie actually does what he says he's going to do, right? So if that actually works out the way it is, then now you have Sansa and Arya back, in, in assuming that's what actually happens, right? Um. And and then and then that gives you tons of options. I mean, the war could still totally go on, regardless of whether you you have actually and 
Sans and Arya, as as they say, like because people say, well, Sans and Arya aren't like you know people think they're not nearly as valuable as Jamie Lannister. I don't know. I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. If you get both Sansa and Arya back, and you give them Jamie Lannister, yeah, they get they get a battle commander, but we get two potential trading pieces, and let's That's marry true. Sansa and Arya off, and now you've got who knows how many more how many more men. Well, that's exactly what what, uh, what Tyrion tried to do with Marcella exactly. Baratheon, right? With Dorne is to make a marriage alliance, and that's I mean, Tommen is is something you know. Again, they're keeping him safe and they're separating him because he could be another. Like you said, uh, if you get if you get him as a hostage, they wanted to keep him safe. So King's Landing's being attacked, and you kill Joffrey. We at least got to have somebody who can carry on. Um, which is why later on John will get, or I'm sorry, Rob will get into this whole writing a letter, naming his heir, that whole, that whole thing, because yeah, you, you want to, um, set that up for sure. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, I think they're, they're definitely, um, super important. Uh, I, Gatlin commits treason. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's treasonous. So it's just, it's some really bad decisions because, it's so wild. He's making all the right moves. I mean, uh, air quote, all the right battle moves and winning these uh, battles in these wars. He's catching Tywin off guard. He's doing things unorthodox. Uh, he's the legend. The lo- it's all kind of spreading and, and his victory. And he's doing great. And if he gets more and more support, it would have been awesome. But, like, it's, yeah, just a couple decisions take us the wrong, the wrong way. So putting his trust and his faith in Theon. He was warned against that, um, you know, and then and then really the the Tullys, Edmure and Catelyn both kind of uh, so, some mistakes are made, and then he himself makes a mistake with Jane Westerling. So, All right, and then okay, we we do get a little bit here of Brienne, which is kind of kind of interesting, um, just where. Uh, uh, just kind of th- just kind of th- we get a little bit of Brienne's history, right? Um and like uh just talking about like you know let let them have their songs if it makes them brave, Catelyn thought, toying with her silver goblet. There was always a singer at Even Hall. Even Fall Hall, uh when I was a girl, Brienne says, I learned all the songs by heart. Uh, Sansa did the same. You know, I told her there would be singers at the king's court. I told her her uncle, um, she would hear music of all sorts. That her father could give her a master to help her learn the harp. Oh, gods, forgive me. Uh, the brand says, "I remember a woman. She came from across the some place across the narrow sea. I could not say even what language she sang in, but her voice was as lovely as she was. She had the eye, she had eyes the color of plums. Okay, uh, uh-huh. that, that should that should raise everybody's <laughs> everybody's uh-huh. eyes, huh?" And her waist was so tiny, my father could put his hands around it. Her hand, um, his hands were almost as big as mine. Um, uh, she said, "You know, did you sing for your father? Um, uh, never, you know, uh, his his fool his his fool made cruel japes, you know, at her sometimes like that. Uh, someday you must sing for me." Well, I think she's gonna in Winds of Winter when she, Brian gets you know <laughs> brought like <laughs> brought brought back to her, um, you know, and then it just it just kind of goes on 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 from there though. But I I do think that's interesting though. Just the uh, that 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 line kind of caught my attention in that hey this this woman this woman gets brought over and she has eyes the color of plums. Yeah, that is interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I just went. You know what I just did is I went and uh, did a little as Google like, search. I got to go do. I got. Is there big theories as to who she is? Yeah, I don't know. There's a couple. There's a couple we can. We'll we'll look at after the. Well, after doesn't the show. doesn't uh, Septa Lamore have eyes the color of plums? Oh, uh, something. Yeah, are we are we making the Shardane connections or what are we doing here? You know. I mean, we never know. I mean, she if she's Septa Lamore. Uh... Yeah, I've never really looked into uh, into Selwyn much. Um, uh, just to see, you know, who are those individuals that, that are showing up and yeah, who this particular individual is, uh, Brian's uh, mother is kind of a mystery, right? Um, mm -hmm. well, I don't think Tarth. that's, yeah, I don't think that's, no, Brian's no, I know, I know it's yeah. not, I know oh, it's I know, not about yeah, yeah. I'm saying like, there's nothing said on, on. On, right uh, on her mother or even but know, we know, but we women but we know that at some at some point she comes from duncan the tall so mm -hmm. his line mm-hmm yeah yeah no i think her, i think her eyes are are violet um but yeah it's cool yeah yeah and so then and then it ends just like we said in the summary um, you know, they're just getting more more news about the marching and stuff like that. And everything sounds like it should be going good, but she is still afraid. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, uh, again, as we said, as as she should be, because there's um, war, it's, the it's night war. is dark. That's right. Yep, <laughs> full, full of tears. Tear. Uh, you know, unless unless River Run has some ancient fish god that they can believe in, I don't know. Right, the new, you know. The seven aren't answering. The old gods, although they're ancient, they're not saying much. They're just listening. So, you know. All right. Well, uh, uh, is that it? Anything else from the uh, from the chapter? Uh, no, that's those are kind of my, my big takeaways of it today. Okay. All right. Well, let's move over to Ascenda Raven, and we have one here uh, from Sir Ryan. Uh, always good to hear from Sir Ryan. I can't remember if we read this one or not. I know you and I kind of discussed it off the podcast for sure. Um, this was following one of our, our zoom chats, which again, for Bannerman, uh, are a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun there on the new year's Eve fantastic time, but he said this beforehand and I really can't remember if we, if we talked about it or not. Um, but we, so if we did, you know, forgive me, I guess. Um, he said, you know, you two keep speculating that, uh, that Gurm may need to expand the final two books into three to tie up his loose ends or these loose threads. My question is what would the third book title be? Uh, we know these future two have names that tie together. Uh, would he keep the added book title theme similar to Wins, or would he jump to a summer, uh, you know, title? Or could he go into a completely different direction? We have no hints to help us on this. Should the opportunity arise? So I thought thought this would be a fun conversation for you two, and it is always fun for me to kind of say I don't know how we finish this book, this series, in two books. I have literally no clue. He, George has said it for several years. It's gotten away from him. That the series has actually taken off and the story has gotten away from him, meaning there are threads that go out. He's actually doing revisions. He's rewriting. I think he's trying to use an economy of words, trying to streamline some stuff. I think he's getting a little too wordy. I think exactly what I thought was going to happen is happening. And I think he has said, I've got to figure out, I, you know, he's writing it and he's saying, this is turning into two books. 
I think that's what's happening. I think he's literally well, that's sitting what, there saying, that's what like, happened. That's what happened with A Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons. Exactly. It's happened before. The whole thing started off as a, as a Dagon trilogy. It's supposed to be a trilogy. His original pitch is, is, is like a trilogy. And it's evolved and it's changed. If you look at the evolution of the series, it just keeps changing on him. So no wonder he couldn't tell Dan and Dave what the ending's going to be. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Right. Okay? Which is, if he knew, he'd which, write it. Right, which is fine. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily Sorry, matter. I say let I mean, him write it. No, you're no, you're, you're you're fine. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, well, I mean, Winds of Winter is next. That's all I know. If he wants to include another book in there and call it something else, and then you still have a Dream for Spring that gets pushed to be the final book, or it is a Dream for Spring, and then he's like, well, maybe I'll finish it with something like this. That's fine too. Um, you know, what if just, it's not Winds of Winter? What if he? What if he says, you know, no, Winds of Winter this. is dead. Is yeah. No. What if though he says, you know what? I had to split this, just like with what was the, so the original book, Dance of Dragons. What was it supposed to be? Well, I mean, A Feast for Crows was too big and had to get split into A Feast for Crows and A Dance of Dragons. So you're saying he would keep Winds and then expand, then he'd have an in between book. And what Ryan is pointing out is that those two. Um, you know, winter and spring seem to be such a good complement for the right. ending of your series. So do you call why it, would yeah. you drop in something in the middle that would say something else? Or do you push the events, what he's written for winds and say, you know, a lot of this stuff is more like I was building to winds and winds of winter is the second half of the book. Do you then make that the second? Oh, half? I see what you're saying. Right. And then and is then the so, first so you, half. Yeah. It, well, it sounds it like it else? because a lot of the a lot of the places he keeps writing about have are like Tyrion and a lot of the stuff that's going on in the south and right. Essos, and not as much stuff that's going on up in in the north. Yeah, look at all the character. Look at all the chapters that have been released, and look at those 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 characters. Mm. And then also, and again, I don't know if those are in order or what the whole deal is there, but it's at least enough that he felt like he could release it, and it was early enough that it wasn't spoiler. It wasn't late in the book series, so if a lot of the beginning stuff is going to be centered around you know all of this stuff happening in the south and moving danny what well, you might have to tell a whole other arc with the south with these southern right. realms even and yeah then, even even to get it even to get it to end let's just say just for sake of sake of argument that it ends the same way the show does right and so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to resurrect we have to resurrect john which that could happen or that could happen in the first 10 chapters. I mean, that's, that's easy. That's, I think, I think resurrecting John is two chapters. You could even, you, you, it could be a Davos chapter and then one Melisandre chapter, right? I mean, that's boom. You can do that. That's, that's easy. Um, as is like, Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying, just for sake, for no, sake no, no, of, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, just, I'm just grinning. Cause it's always, it's right. fun. Just for sake, for just for, for sake of argument and to, and to make this as easy as possible. Um, so, so there's, so there's two chapters. Um, Arya is actually somebody who's going to take a lot of time, uh, to do, I think, because she's blind. You've got to get her to fight the wave, say, I'm leaving, get on a ship, sail back. Right. So I think, I think what, I think Arya's arc in A Winds of Winter is actually pretty, I, 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 I think we're going to get like a lot of her and then we're not going to see Arya for a very long time. And it'll, it'll be like, it'll be like 10 or 20 chapters before we get another Arya chapter. Um, okay. You know, like, uh, you, like, no, I, like, I, yes, I'm, I'm with you, man. You just caused like me you, to think, uh, yeah. 
you, like I'm just thinking in terms of how of how you would pace it because that's a, like you get that with like in this book you get that with Theon and that it's mm-hmm. like oh we've only had like two Theon chapters yeah. um, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on and so I think she is a character where okay well we need at some point she's got to come back so what are you gonna have like four or five you know you have one chapter where she sails I mean I just think that's I a think great that's I think that's how I would pace her is I'd have I'd have maybe like five chapters in the first I don't know half of the book and then she's gone and then she shows up at like the very end um oh. i think is is how i is how i would probably do aria's chapter um now where you'd have to you'd have to really the 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 outside characters of the show is where you really have to figure out how do you do how do you do that i mean i i just don't think we're killing young griff off like early i think he's he's around he's around to stay and you know we don't know how that's going to figure out but i mean just in, in terms of where we just assuming his arc goes in in some sort of a direction to get to the show to the very end he goes he goes to storm's end seems likely he's going to take it um and then wherever we decide to go from there whether it's straight to king's landing or something else um then maybe he and cersei get married and then that's maybe Maybe Cersei could still blow up the Sept of the Baylor to kill, to get rid of the to, to to get rid of the High Faith, um, and you could do that in the first third of the book, and then you have Aegon come in, young Griff come in, and then uh, his force is too big, and the people are against Cersei, and so there you have the Mummer's Dragon, and I guess it's not necessarily a, it's um whatever I mean. I don't know. So maybe, so maybe that's how you do that. You 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 line up the Mummer's Dragon with with Cersei, um, and it's not Euron that she ends up kind of marrying in in the in the finale because Euron's his his own deal. And then somehow you have to get to the end of the then Stannis. Stannis could be <laughs> defeated. There's a lot. I mean, there's a there's All a right, lot. But I mean, I'm thinking. So I mean, I'm just trying to think of of yeah. You know how do you how, how do you I think you could fit a lot of that into one into one book. I think there's going to be a lot of characters you're you're not going to have POVs for. I think you could do so if if like let's say let's say Rickon doesn't die um in like the Battle of the Bastards, then do you have one or two chapters of Davos going to Skagos? I think that's easy. And then Rickon shows up after Winds of Winter. Mhm. Are you ready for this? Are, are, yeah. are, are, are you ready for this? So, <clears throat> to our listeners, I would encourage you to, on that podcast player, go back 30 seconds <laughs> to a minute, listen to everything Sir Matt just said, and think to yourself, does that sound... How many chapters? And then think, does that sound like Winds of Winter? You know, that's, that, that's, I, that's why I love this, this whole thought. Because what I'm hearing and what I'm thinking is... When I look at the show and you said, how, let's, let's say we paralleled the show. Everything that happens in season eight and then even season seven, buddy, that sounds like winds of winter. Like that sounds like there's some stuff right. happening in the north. The winds of winter are blowing and man, I mean, stuff is stuff is happening right there at the end, which will then be the front end of a, what is it? A, a, a dream of spring, mm-hmm. which is your final kind of, kind of book. I just, there's so much that's going to be going on here that to get us to what what sounds like a winds of winter i don't know it just i I think there's almost enough in what you said all that stuff that you talked about aria 
uh, Daenerys, Euron down at the old at Old Town, Sam, King's Landing, and Cersei. Uh, you know, Aegon. Uh, you know, doing right. his thing. There's enough going on there, and all of that that we haven't even we we haven't even touched the North. I mean, so right. I don't know. You know, it's, I I think that's where I sometimes sit and go, "Wow, he has got to." And again, not that not that one. Not that one title is going to be all this. Everything right. has to be about like the North. It doesn't. That's not what I'm trying to say. Right. But there's just a lot of threads. There's a lot to to cover and a lot to put into uh, two books. So. I think it's possible in two books, but it is possible for sure. It is, it is it is possible, and the way you do it is you obviously tell a lot of story in one POV, right? I mean, that's ultimately the the thing. Is you you know. As we said, there's not a lot of Sansa chapters because Sansa's story is told in Ned chapters and Arya chapters. And then in A Clash of Kings, it's really mostly told in a lot of Tyrion chapters. And so that ends up happening a lot in which you won't have a lot of care. I mean, Rob never has a POV. Rob's story is told to us entirely, for the most part, I'd say about 90% um, through Catelyn chapters, right? Except right. for some of those early Game of Thrones chapters. So, you you know, there's a, there's a lot of that. You know, when da uh, there's going to be if it does go the same as the show, I mean, th if it does go the same as the show, look at how much you can tell of John's story through Daenerys or Sansa mm -hmm. or Davos or even Theon. I mean, there's a lot of John's story that can be told through Melisandre. There's a lot that can be told through another character. So, a lot of these moments will be in other characters' point of view. Um, and so that is really where you kind of like push this for this story this, and I, this story I, forward. I agree with you. It's possible. It's possible until you start seeing things like new points of views from right. uh, Ariane Martel. And you're like, wait right. a second. Now we have a whole new character who we're not just who is actually taking right. us. And there, there are none of our like like <laughs> I mean, who are our main cast that we're following through her eyes? I haven't mm -hmm. met. I mean, there may be one or two. There's not many. Mm -hmm. It's you're telling a whole Dorn arc through her. That's a whole yeah. new. Do you arc think? That, do you like, think he can? Wow. Do you think he can? With all of the extra stuff in the book, do you think he can finish it in three books? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's even possible to fit it in two books, which is what he's trying to do. I think it's stuff like you're saying you're going to have to. And I, by the way, to Sarine and everyone, I actually feel like we have had this conversation many times, but. The reason we do is because I just think it's fascinating, the writing, the process in right. which you go about this. And, and when I, I've been saying it for years, there's so many threads that when I would, I would talk to show, show watchers only, and I would say, just wait till you get in the books and you're going to see how complex this is. And you're going to see how, how he's right. not even close to the end of this story yet. And right. with two major books coming, hasn't been able to finish it. It's not coming to him easily. Uh, it be, because he has, I mean, the web has been building, uh, outwardly and you have to, as you said, tie it up into a nice little, uh, neat bow. He's still expanding. You know what I mean? Right. He's still touching places like Dorn and, and things like that. And he's, he's, he's growing right. that. So that makes it hard to bring it all back right. together. That's just, that's my, whole yeah, point I mean, is he's a master then, writer, but right. And then, and tough. then I, I mean, the big, the biggest thing in terms of, in terms of finishing it is, you know, just assuming things end up going some sort of direction like they do in the show, you, it's the outside characters because you don't just want to kill them. It's not just like, oh, let's, I need to kill this person off so I can finish. It's no, you need to finish their story. And that's what Gurr is doing mm -hmm. is I need, it's, yes. you know, if it, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, it's one of the things I 
it's my biggest criticism of the final Harry Potter book. I just feel like in the first 10 chapters, it's all, it's more like she was like, I have to finish this and I'm just going to start killing characters off. I mean, like if spoilers, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the, the last, the last two Harry Potter books or read, I mean, in those first, in that first like 10 chapters, right. When, when Harry is, um, you know, like escaping, right. I mean, she kills off like 10 characters in the matter of like three paragraphs. And it's like, Hold on a second, man. And some of their deaths feel so fast, like like Hedwig, for example, right? I mean, Hedwig is a very important character to right. Harry, and Hed, you know, during that escape, Hedwig's just killed. Oh, Hedwig died. There you go. And I I never ever liked it, um, and I I don't think like that's something Gurr is going to well, do because a lot of his deaths have meaning and they're yeah. important and like they're very specific, um. So I, yep. I I do I, I think like you know like Lady Stoneheart is a character that I don't think's making it to the end, but you can't just kill her off like she her she's important. Yeah. So just to, to use your example very quickly of Harry Potter, Hedwig, is there any foreshadowing that that that, that owl is going to die? Make a sacrifice no. like that? Not really. Um, or Mad Eye. Or any are there any for, just... is there any like groundwork done prior to that that would say in a reread? Wow, look at that! I saw. We didn't see that coming in a first initial with the read. Exception, you know what I mean? With the exception of the only death I feel like that was really explored in that series was, and I forget which one. Is it George that dies? It's one of the twins that dies. Yeah. I don't know. I always forget which one it is. Uh, but one of the twins dies, right? The the Weasley twins dies in, in, during during that whole deal. And that one is, like, built up. I mean, like, because I, I don't know. I, that one was, like, the one that hit the hardest. And I feel like it's because they spend time afterwards to be like, oh, my God, like, this happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this happened and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And so all the characters who die in, in George's series, like, he's been, as you said, writing their story. And he laid a bunch of groundwork. Mm -hmm. He kind of told us what's going to happen. I mean, he's telling us that the saddest right. sound is the bells. He's telling right. us about the bells ringing. He's telling us all along that the bells right. will ring one day and it will be a sad sound and something's going to happen. And we look back in a reread and we go, holy smokes, right. this guy's been crafting this since the beginning. So, right. But and actually, and, ac and actually, I think that he has it's, it's actually kind of if you look at, say, Harry Potter, it's actually kind of a, a great kind of parallel because she started writing the books. I think they were on the fourth book when the first movie came out. And so then she's like, all right, I need to finish this because the movies are coming out and they're coming out like every other year. So she does finish the, the book series before the movies. Um, but that's long past for Gurr now. So now he can, and so did did the final book suffer a little bit from I mean the rest of the book I think is great of Deathly Hollows. I think it's it's great. It's like so cool. They explore all this different stuff. Um but it's really just that first block where I'm like, "Oh my god, this is happening so fast." Um Matt's now trying to save all of our Harry Potter listeners from <laughs> No, <laughs> I kidding, it's, it's just it is. It's 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 I've criticized it before. Um but so now Gur is in the situation where the show's over. So you don't have to race to finish this other than that you're getting older every day. Um, but you don't have to race to finish it in term in terms of like I need to I need to block this to make it finish before the the show. Yeah, no, I'm just teasing you. I mean, like I, I it is uh it is interesting because they have uh, that extra element where those individuals, those authors were involved, you know, to some degree in making whether it's a TV show or a movie or whatever. Um, you know, and how does that complicate things, and uh, does that affect your writing process? And you know, um, yeah, I think it's in, it's, it's interesting. So I don't know. Uh, 
you know, I, I just, yeah. gosh, wh- whether you call it Winds of Winters or, or, or Winds of Winter or you call it something else, I just want another book to come out, and I hope he's, uh, this time is, and, uh, you know, if he's revising stuff, that means he found something that's better, and he found a way that makes more sense to him as a writer. And you look at that and you go, well, wow, what if we, what's the, what was the other version that he was working on? The revisions, are they small? Are they minor? Mm-hmm. Is he redrafting? Well, you know, and, how much is and he redrafting? Keep, and, and keep in mind, okay, so, so think about this for a second. So A Feast for Crows is 40, or just whatever, it's 45, 45 46 chapters, uh, I guess if you count the prologue. Um, a Dance of Dragons is 71 chapters plus an epilogue plus a prologue. So there's 73 chapters. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those were supposed to, like, he was writing that as one thing. Not to mention the chapters mm-hmm. that are getting pushed to Winds of Winter that were That's supposed right. to be in that book. That's right. <laughs> so 100%. you're talking, so you're talking what, like 120, 150 chapters that he probably had written out for one book that have been spread across three? Yeah. Uh, so in his mind, one book, and that's what I'm saying, over and over, he's shown that like what he thinks fits into one book, ultimately the editor and everyone else says, look, right. no, no way. Uh, Robert right. Jordan ran into the same problem with, with Wheel of Time. What he thought was going to be one book was three. His final book ended up being three books. And so, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what happens. I mean, there's just so much more story to tell and you don't want to rush it. And you're like, well, people have bought in here now. We are, that's why I keep saying, let let him write, let him revise, let him finish it, uh, give him whatever he needs, quit distracting him with other projects and right. things, let him do his thing. If he doesn't want to finish it, he doesn't finish it. You know, it is what it is, but I would love right. for him to. It's his Where book do you series, th- what it's his you, life. And I know, I know we've talked about this. Do you think Winds of Winter ends with the, with the wall coming down or like the, or whatever? Or? Um, nah, I mean, uh, because, let's see, you know, the, the, the the wall coming the wall came down because uh, an ice dragon, you know, right in the show <laughs> was yeah. was was so, you know I don't know that it's actually because you have people who read this series and believe a meteor is going to strike and hit the wall and take it right. down. You have a, a large mass mass uh, vast majority of the it's, fans. I think it's think the horn because that, so, that's what's on the cover. And there's the horn, so I don't think it's any. I don't even know that I, I I'd have to really pencil out all the different plot lines and, and go through it, which we've kind of done. We've tried to do a little bit, but I don't know where, where you end it. Um, it might need to be something epic like that, though. That would be a big... You're, th- you're thinking of like a big final point to end on, like the Dothraki showing up for Daenerys is a, is a big kind of, you know, deal. Lady Stoneheart, Catelyn returning uh, was in the epilogue was, was a big deal. I mean, at, at right. the end of Dance, you have a Varys showing his hand and killing uh, Kevin Lannister. So that's yeah. a big deal. See, and the the issue is, I think the issue is, is that if this is this book is Winds of Winter, so it almost needs to be North heavy. And what what what's going on there with Stannis and Rant and all those guys? And right now, he seems like he's in the beginning of the it's like, of all the chapters he's talking about that he's like said all the, I've I, you know I, I wrote I wrote a chapter about this. I did I did a, an episode on Patreon where I broke down and said these are all of the chapters that we know about. Um, and it all sounds like it's at the beginning of the book. Well, I'm telling you right now, if, I'll make my bold prediction right now. There is a so to answer Sir Ryan's question, Winds of Winter will be the second to last book, but there's a book coming first that doesn't have a title. We're gonna get it. I don't know what it's gonna be called, but he's gonna there's gonna be a title, something brand new. It's bold prediction. Mark it down. What is today? Uh January tenth. Uh as we're recording this, it is, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. So Sir Ezra, uh, 
you know, making a bold prediction. All right. Well, here we go. All right. Well, here we go, Ez, because I got I got a I got a response to. So I posted a video here. Um, Will Brand's uh, Tower of Joy vision happen in the Winds of Winter? Um, so I, I did a, I did a, I did a YouTube video on that, and I explained a lot of a lot of reasoning. So that's something we see at the end of season six, the episode titled "The Winds of Winter," right? In which Bran, you know, Weirwoods into Weirwoods into the uh, in, in the Weirwood network, and he sees the vision. He sees John, Liana, the Tower, Howland Reed, you know, save the day, and then John is afterward that uh, proclaimed king of the North. So I said, "Will this happen in Winds of Winter?" And I went through all the different scenarios. I said, "You know, well." Maybe not, because there's characters like Howland Reed who could show up and tell us that information. John Connington could go, you know, he has grayscale. Is he going to fill that Jorah Mormont role, go over and talk to Sam? And that's how we learn of it. So there's reasons we may not see it. Then I said there's stuff that um, it may go down differently because what if, you know, Rhaegar is still alive? Or what if, you know, they don't fight there? What if the, there's tons of different things? So um, had a had a cool response here from Eric um, saying... He doesn't think it's going to happen. He says, though I'm a uh, Ned plus a Shara equals John supporter, um, uh, the scene in the show feels more like a bit of fan service for a cheap twist and shock for fans, though it may feel like that because of dropped storylines. I mainly don't see it happening, though, because I logically don't see why Bran's story would involve looking back to find out who John's mother is. If the books are going in the same direction as the show in making Bloodraven and the children fighting against the others, I'd imagine Bloodraven showing him the, my the mysteriousness of how um, the possible failures of how the others were defeated, um, how they may be held for, you know, how they were held for another 8,000 years uh, or properly defeated and not who John was born to. If R plus L equals J is true, the prophecies do play out. Um, therefore, the prince who was promised is, you know, in the Song of Ice and Fire. I could potentially see it happening, but even then, still unlikely. How John's parentage could come out is something I don't know, but uh, special people don't always need special backgrounds. And as much as I like the Ned plus Ashara equals John theory, I don't like the idea of John just being Ned's bastard. Uh, and he doesn't talk about John's mother because he might have accidentally slept with another man's wife, uh, you know. All for that. Uh, after all, if John is Rhaegar's son, how can Ned not have thought about Rhaegar in the years like he thinks uh, in Game of Thrones um, if he was raising his son? Uh, seems rather uh, daft that you um, would raise your nephew without ever thinking of his parents, you know, a couple times, even if it had been years. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of reasoning, a lot of reasoning he's saying here. Um, so do you, do you think we're going to get that? Do you think we're going to get that flashback to what actually happened? Now, the information, again, could be told to us in a different manner, but it may, will it be through a brand vision is the alt is, is kind uh, of the question. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'll give my answer. I don't think I actually know your answer. Like, well, I don't think I actually heard whether you said yes or no to that. Um, so I think that the reason why Bran would is that, yes, Blood Raven is taking him to big events like 8,000 years ago, how the children and trying to show him other other things, the prophecies and things building towards whatever. Who knows what all Blood, Blood Raven wants to show him. But it seems like when, he, when we get in there, Bran wants to visit people that are close to him. He wants to. He ends up back at Winterfell. He goes to places that are familiar, and he may go back to his father and try to follow his father. And he may um, and Helen Reed. He has the Reeds with him. So if there's a way to do it, that would be interesting. I also wonder though, like Tower of Joy. Uh, it does he have to? Does there have to be a Weirwood? 
I don't remember what, like, does there have to be right. a, a, like a weirwood there for him to kind of see, is that part of why they, in the, in the lore, it's why they cut him down, right? Is that because they felt like that was the eyes and the ears by which the children were able to kind of learn about their enemy and know when they were going to strike when and where. So, you know, at the Tower of Joy, do you have to have that or is Bran's visions beyond? Is his power something more that, that supersedes the, the Weirwood network? And he's doing things already, uh, according to the show, that you can't do. You know, you're not able to go back and actually influence events and things like that. And Bran, Bran does. Um, so anyways, you know, that I kind of think maybe he would, if he's able to, I think he would. Um, why? Because really it's more about his father. Uh, the Reeds are there. If Helen Reed is there and he's with, um, Jojen and Mira, that makes sense. You get two strong reasons to go visit that, that that's the, that's when their fathers met. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, did a great deed. And since then they've kept some secret. It is important. Um, so it seems like he would be in, seems like Bran would be interested in that. And during his training, he might uh, venture down that route. So, and he's, you know, John is, he's been coming across John as well. And there's been some interesting connections between Werewood and Wolf Dream and things like that. So, yeah, yeah I, I kind of think it is going to happen. Yeah, I, I am. I, I, I do think, I think we'll, we'll get it, but I don't think it's going to be like, I don't know if it's going to be the more, I, the more I've thought about it recently. I, because I, I I think it's going to be told to us through through somebody else, like the the full events of of, of what happened there. So I think I, I definitely think we're getting the information of what went down there, um, but I think it could be from a Howland Reed emerging or a like John Connington explaining it. You know, in the in the show, it's kind of a, a few people figure it out. You know, Brand figures it out by by seeing the events, and then Sam. Um, kind of he, he i don't know that i think he, he sam figures out that regar and liana were in love and were married and then he talks to bran and they kind of figure it all out to get figure the whole thing out all together um so i mean the show is kind of two sets of people figure it out um so it's possible that it'll be more uh in 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 the books and the timing of it i think will be important too um, I think it'll be I think the timing of of the, the reveal of information and everything will be way different in the books um, because there's just a lot more players with young Griff and who who, yeah. know, who knows is, is if, if it's going to if it's going to be if it's if it's if it's going to be the same as, as as the show with them, like figuring it out all right before the Night King marches. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, one more thing, you know, that I, I want to kind of bring up here that Eric um, hinted at real quickly. The idea that um, R plus L equals J, like if that's true, I, I know a lot of people will sometimes default to, well, then we have to have a prince that was promised and we have to have a, a, Zora, a, a Zora High in the prophecy fulfilled. I think what George does is say these two people believed in that prophecy and because they believed in it, that caused them to do the things that they did or Rhaegar and other people to do the things that they did, even with their powers, because they believed in some ancient long ago prophecy that... I think it's almost a commentary on some of our society and our belief systems here that, you know, why do we act and do things the way that we do? It's because of our belief system, because we believe uh, we're going to one place or another place or whatever it might be. Um, and that might guide some of our, our decision making. So his characters in his story are guided by uh, gods and religion and prophecy, and they have maybe even powers and maybe there is blood magic and there's there's things like that. But really... It doesn't mean that it's going to happen that way. 
you know? Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there could have been other people who were trying to fulfill the prophecy. Like we may even see that during the Blackfire Rebellion or go back even further. Is there some time before Aegon's conquest and, and going back to the Age of Legends or whatever, Age of Legends, Age of Heroes, you know. Um, same thing. <laughs> Wheel of Time, same thing. Uh, is there in that in that thousands of years, did other people try to fulfill the prophecy? Were they not believers of Azor High or the prince that was promised? And again, some of that stuff is not is more recent. Even you go look at Valeria and when did some of these uh, things kind of come over to Westeros? But like people start to believe in that stuff, and then I want to fulfill that, and then they they do things that will set them on a path that that take us to Robert's Rebellion, that take us to things like you know this the the wall coming down and stuff. But you know, I don't know. I mean, it's. It's it's gonna be interesting. So I just wanted to bring that up r- real quickly. It doesn't you know necessarily? Although I I'm I'm cool with it. I I love a great fantasy tale. And and if you're gonna tell me that Azora High is gonna step out here and and save everybody, let's go. You know I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, uh, that is mostly it for us today. Just a quick reminder, guys. If you do want to follow Azori on social media, you can do so at uh, Instagram, Twitter, Wamprat underscore two M for as at Super Gains Bros for myself. Um, we have some more. We've been uh, producing some more YouTube exclusive content. I just I did a big big video that I was talking about there, um, asking a lot of those questions. So certainly check that out as well. For those of you who have not subscribed, really appreciate it for, uh, for everyone who has. Um, Patreon Zoom Hangout uh, will be gearing up for another one of those uh, here soon. I'm kind of thinking maybe the end of the month when I'm in when I'm on vacation um, in Mexico. So. Okay. Uh, because we've been, you know, we've been we've been fortunate enough to have people from all over the world. So let's just add another country uh, on that list at the time. Yeah. So it's like we have, you know, we had people from Germany and you yeah. know, the United Kingdom and Australia and Canada. And, okay, we'll have you know just Ireland. Another, uh, don't forget Ireland. Yeah. Right, the whole deal. I said the United yeah. Kingdom. Um, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> that's a joke for for yeah, people who've been on, who have been in on the Zoom on the Zoom on the Zoom hangout. So yeah. So all right, guys. Well, with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, oh, this is what happens when I don't when I don't pull it up. Um, I know it's a brand chapter. It's four. I think it's forty six brand, but I don't know which one. Oh, it's probably well, it's brand forty it's uh, chapter forty six brand. There we go. Yes. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.